Welcome to episode 103 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. And I'm Greg Wah. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I am going to be taking you to the mountains. And I'm going to be working out whether you should make your bed or not. Also, I'm going to ancient Persia. And a continuation of our intermittent series, Babies Are... Dot, dot, dot. Before all that, Dan, what about your week in science? Ah, well, I had a very exciting moment this morning. Mm-hmm. In 2001, I started doing a webcomic. Right. After doing my own personal websites for yeah. like six years. Uh-huh. Like 1995 was when I first did it. Goodness me. I did another webcomic. There were websites back then? Web... Oh, yeah, well. Like Dancing yeah. Baby Jesus or something? Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Dancing Hamsters. Oh, that's what oh, it was. That was oh. all the thing. Woo. And then there was another comic and another comic, another comic, some short stories and blah, 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 blah. Yes, and yes. Started to do podcasts. Yes. I did a podcast about some other thing. And then started on this podcast. This has been going for six years now. Goodness me. Yes. I think it's five, isn't it? It's five years. Five years and a bit. And five years and a bit, yes. Yeah. We're into our sixth year. Sixth year, yeah. Yes. Spanning two decades. (laughs) I finally have a mention alongside you on wikipedia.org. That wasn't made by us, obviously. No, well, you can't make your own no, Wikipedia entry. No, that's that's a bit. It's like yeah. building a statue to yourself. It's, <laughs> it's a bit. It's, it's it is a bit dictatorial. It's a bit declassé. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very, very, very classy. If you search Wikipedia for Australian skeptics, mm-hmm. we're on there. Oddly enough, I'm not sure I'd refer to myself as a skeptic. I guess it's. So it's a part of yeah, it's part of what we are processing yes. science itself. It, it, we are, we definitely fit into that part of the Venn diagram, but that we're not just contained fully in that circle of the Venn diagram. The smart after better Venn diagram is science, comedy, and ignorance. So we kind of it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're there. It's very exciting. Look, we make a little bit of fun of holograms embedded in perspex. Pyramids yeah, that's for right. health reasons, and that's and so, so we should. So we should. I, I, I don't see that as being skeptical. I think that that is common sense. But <laughs> but it's nice there. It's nice to be there. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's good. Actually, but it was very exciting to find us. So thank you to the Australian Skeptic Society for deciding we were good enough to grace their web page, and to Wikipedia for not immediately deleting yes. the edition. <laughs> So now we just need to get an actual Smart After Better podcast page. <gasps> yeah. And we could link to them. We could have, like, linking things. Because now we're in one. Maybe if someone built it, it would be you could link back to the other one, and they would yeah. just instantly destroy it. they go, these people don't exist, and we don't care about them. Someone did it a couple of years ago. Someone did do it about how the sun was called Chad and then connected it to, and then Wikipedia went, no. Yeah, no. I mean, that was that was blatant vandalism. <laughs> I can kind of see why that was removed from the site. But all you do is send a picture of the letter from the IAU. Oh, that's a good idea. And, and well, we, here's your link right here, Wikipedia. It says so, uh, it's not. So, yeah, so that's good. I've, finally, I've, I appear on Wikipedia, which is good. Ticks that box. Very um, nice. The next box, I guess, is removing my entry from RedTube. <laughs> so, Dan Beeston, answer this important question for the podcast listeners and the world and the Lord thy God looking down on your soul at this very moment and the ants under your feet and all sorts of things. That's not a question. That's a statement. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting you ready for the important... You can't lie to me about this. That's what I'm trying to say. That's a second statement. That's, I, I, I know. I know. But is this a statement? Yes. Yay! I succeed! <laughs> but the question is, Dan, No, no. You said be prepared for one question. A question. Did I say one? Check the notes. Anyway. 
A the question is one. But it doesn't mean the only you one. Not say it's some a, questions. It doesn't mean a, and only one. One and only one. It was a question. Anyway, the question is... Get your shit together. Do you, when you jump out of bed in the morning, make your bed? Answer! No. Good. Good. Fantastic. This means that you are obviously up on your science about stopping bed mites and dust mites that live in your bed. So these insects that live in your beds, and there's millions of them all doing their thing, supposedly, research done by Kingston University say that actually they really want a hot, wet environment to live in, a damp environment to live in. And so your bed is yeah, perfect yes, for that. It certainly is. Yeah, your bed it is, is perfect for that. Hot, wet environment, but if ladies. You jump, if you if you jump out full of dust mites, if you jump out of your bed in the morning and then make your bed, of course, it's still warm and damp in that bed. And the dust mites go, woo! And like, yeah, party! Uh, they can absorb the liquids through their through the glands on their skin. That's how they drink through the glands of skin. But if you don't make your bed, it becomes dry, still warm, but cools down a bit quicker, and it's also drier. And therefore, the theory goes that they die much faster from dehydration than usual. So don't make your bed. Ah, can I make my bed just before I go to sleep, though? Well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's, that would be perfectly fine. Can I spray the bed with a thin film of water in the morning? Just to help them along? Yeah. Yeah, sure, if you don't, if you don't like dust mites. I like to have dust mites. But unfortunately... It makes it a hot, wet environment. But see, I don't make my bed either. I also don't make my bed. My bed is totally unmade. And I was when I read this, I was like, yes, yes! Justification! Yes, yes, I'm not a lazy bum. I'm, I'm all for the health. I'm scientific. Yeah! Where's some, where's, some, where's some scientific research that says I don't have to do the washing yeah, up that's either? Right. Or, or wearing pants. Don't want to do that either. Like, yes, that wearing pants makes more dust mites. See? Dust mites in my pants. So I was very excited. So I came on... I go on the podcast and point out my, my laziness is actually science... And I, even Dan, like, yeah, we're together. Unfortunately, mm. Professor Andrew Wardlow, the British Society of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, goes, well, yeah, yeah, dust mites do need water through their skin. And yes, a bed that's unmade would be slightly drier. But when we say they have to be dry, we mean a desert dry. We don't mean your bed with the cover, the, the doona down or your bed with the doona up. So he's unfortunately from the British, yeah, the British Society of Allergy and Clinical Immunology says, look, unless you live in a desert, no, I'm sorry. It's like if you live in any place that is humid, you like you know, like southeast Queensland, yep. where we are, yep. or any place that has climate control, like houses in England and cold places. Anything, anyone who lives in the first world, basically, mm-hmm. no difference, oh, all right. nothing at all. So, so make your beds, you dirty bums. What if I put my bed in a giant pot of rice? That just gives them something to eat, wouldn't it? Oh, shit. <laughs> We've got the coach and the horses. Now we need a beautiful gown to send you to the ball. You've turned my cleaning rags into a magnificent dress. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Just beware, the spell is limited. When the clock strikes 12, the coach will turn back into a pumpkin. The horses will be mice again, and the gown... We'll turn back into rags. Midnight? That's fine. If this dress isn't crumpled up on the prince's floor by midnight, well, it's probably not coming off at all. What? No, no! You you must be home by midnight! Home? Is that what the midnight curfew is all about? So that I don't stay out all night with the prince? Well, you'd 
You don't want to develop a reputation, do you? Reputation? That seems a bit prudish to me. Well, if you, you want the prince to think that you're a cheap tart, you're not getting my help dressing like one. Cheap tart? Why, you slut-shaming old biddy. Give me that wand. Let, let go! Let go! I need footwear. I'm going to make myself the most splendid pair of glass come fuck me slippers. Ah! Yes, I am. And I'm going to wear them with pride because, fairy godmother, someday my prince will come. No, 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 not listening, not listening! There are many beautiful locations on planet Earth. Oh, there's, there's at least seven. And some of them appear in movies. Oh, at least two. Yeah. What are they? <laughs> they always do the t- t- two ones. Two ones they always do. Is it, is it a disaster movie? Um, then it's always have to just like destroy no, the gateway bridge. No, it's like it's like sort of a cultural one. Oh, a cultural. cultural the Taj Mahal. Oh, good. That's a good one. That is a good that's one. Good. It's, that's supposedly they're going to take nine years to clean the damn thing. Anyway, that's mm, a different have to clean out the back. Yeah, to... <laughs> that place is just a filth pod. No, it's true. Like is that it? lovely photo <laughs> of the Taj Mahal. All these Indians going, oh. <laughs> oh, look. Hey, it looks beautiful from the front. Yes. Lovely big pools, reflection stuff. Yep. You look at it from the other side and it's just a tip. Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh, okay. awful. It's like, excuse me, people of planet Earth, stop d- ditching all your junk in India. Behind the, behind the Taj Mahal. You just, like, Shh, just no one will see it. No one ever goes back here. No, they're, they're cleaning the marble. So, anyway, sorry. But you know what I'm talking about? The Taj Mahal is a big one. That's the, yeah. uh, How about Petra? You know, the, the that canyon in Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Oh, that's good. That's like, that cre- like ooh, the, the temple. The yes. That's a good one. Um, uh, what about honing yeah. on yeah. Japan? Japan, Mount Fuji. <gasps> I got a new song. <clears throat> Olympus or Asgard, which one is folly? It's all sorted out with cryptogeology. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is called Artistic License. That, that is. You wrote the song originally. It's, you can do it if you like. I sure can. <laughs> it's a cover. Yes. So we're moving into cryptogeology now. Yes. Oh my goodness, we're spreading our wings. Okay. So uh, we're not spreading our wings. We're spreading our tectonic plates. Y- okay. Yes. Yes. Because they're not wings. That's sure. geology. Cryptozoo. Anyway, sorry. Yes, go on. Okay. So you're in like a, an amusing sort of cultural romantic comedy or something. Mm-hmm. Comedy of errors sort of thing. Oh, yes. And you're in a lovely flat. Mm. You're meeting some lovely girl. Yes. In the in the film. Right. Okay. Can you describe the flat? The beds aren't made. That's a given. It, no, no, it's not a desert. Damn it. But I, I just don't make my bed anyway. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So you're in Japan. Right. In this romantic comedy. I see. You're having weird sort of fun, playful, romantic comedy style hijinks with the girl. Yes. And you could see out the window. Right. What can you see? I, I know you want me to say Mount Fuji. But Good. I, excellent. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, in my mind, it'd be more like Tokyo and it'd be like big, like, like high tech mm. kind of blade runnery, like like a no. giant Japanese woman going you, uh, buy a product, you buy a product, and a flying car, and just and, and the ecologies, and then there's a guy with like there's, there's that blonde haired guy, he's like time to die, and like ah oh, no, and what's behind them? Mount Fuji, Mount Fuji, yeah, Mount Fuji. But you can't see because of the smog. Haven't you seen Blade Runner? I did, but I don't like it very much. But, I don't think it's a very good film. Oh, my goodness. You can't... No. Wow. Wow. Really? Yeah. Don't like it. Really? I find it really, really overhyped. Oh, my goodness. It's an excellent film. No. It's an excellent film. Um, 
It's not. So, <laughs> I'm uh, glad we worked Okay, out. so you're looking out the window. Yes. You see beautiful Mount Fuji. Sure. And you go, oh, I know I'm in Japan. Yes. Okay. And so then your sort of wacky hijinks like continue on and, mm. and, you, and you go to her apartment mm. and you look out the window. And it's Mount Fuji. It's, still, it's Mount Fuji. Yeah, yeah, it's right. Like, oh, okay, well, that's yeah. weird because both windows face Mount Fuji. Yeah. But then you go into the bedroom and things are sort of exciting but sort of whimsical. Yes. And then you look out the window, see Mount Fuji. Right. Yeah, another window. Like statistically, yes. you should only see Mount Fuji out of one of every four windows. Yes, maybe. Unless you live uh, in some sort of long, skinny flat. Along one side of an apartment building, and she lives in the same area. That's how you met, because you were like trying to get into your flat, holding a lot of eggs. Yeah. And she, and she, and you, sorry, I can't get in. And she was like, "Can I hold your eggs?" And I was like, "Oh, thank you." And then, and then yeah. some, some sort of, and then she lets you in. But every single room oh. in cinema in Japan, yes. the window always shows Mount Fuji. Right. No matter which way the window faces, it always it always shows Mount Fuji. Sure. How could this be possible? How could this be possible? Yes. Now, you, firstly, you went for the, the, the obvious one. All windows are built to face Mount Fuji. I think that's a good one. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. In fact, Japan is obviously just built in a concentric series of rings. Yep. Japanese urban culture, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and each... Good for keeping up mechs. Yes. Yeah. Well, lower, the lower build, the closer to Fuji are low buildings, and the higher they get, the further they get back, the higher they get, so they can see over the building in front yeah. of them. And in the end, they're massive skyscrapers. And in the end, the last ones are actually taller than Mount Fuji, but of course, it's such a distance away that you're still looking at Mount Fuji. Yeah, it looks lovely. That's how. That's that's the built urban architecture's answer. A terrible ring world of <laughs> of horror of, of spokes coming into Mount Fuji. A simpler one would be, mm-hmm. which is not geology based or architecture based, is just that someone in Japan has a camera facing Mount Fuji and they're transmitting a picture of Mount Fuji and everyone in Japan has bought a big flat screen television and they put it into a window and they're just projecting the picture of Mount Fuji. That seems like a high-tech solution to that, this problem. That, 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 seems, that seems also quite an inexpensive solution too. It doesn't require building some steps and things. Nah. Yeah. But then inexpensive kind of, except that even poor people mm. look at Mount Fuji, even poor people's places. There's yeah. always Mount Fuji in the background. You don't, you don't want to... You don't like, want to uh, like t- big screen TVs, they're, they're getting cheaper, but... Okay, no, well, that's fine. Let's, let's, let's have a different thing. Japan is a country that likes technology. I'm going to go to technology right again. What they've done, yeah. and Mount Fuji is really important that everyone sees it for, for wellness or for feng shui or some madness. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've put up a satellite. Does that be satellite? Yeah, it has to be a satellite. Let's say, uh, satellite, yes. Yeah. Oh, now, hang on. This is, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to bounce light in my head now, like mirrors. It's going to be mirror-based here. Basically, what I'm trying to get at is they reflect a picture of Mount Fuji from an endless source of mirrors up in space. So there's a camera facing down Mount for the optimum angle I can get around. Maybe, maybe actually, no, forget a satellite. Make it a drone. Like yeah. Much cheaper. Okay. Drone, and it just stays hovering. It's solar-powered drone. It just holds itself mm-hmm. in position. It's like... And it's a picture of Mount Fuji. And it's not, it's not a picture, sorry. It's, not, it's, not, it's just got a reflecting mirror, and it reflects... The light from the picture is getting like from up into up higher. Yeah, there's another drone with lots of mirrors, 
And those mirrors are calibrated to point at one window in every building that's facing it. But if you're not facing it, then there's another drone on the other side of your building yeah. that reflects the like the light gets reflected over and then back into that window. So there's just getting a picture reflected. You look up and you go, oh, there's a, you don't have to look up. It's just a reflector. You have a little mirror. What I'm trying to say is you have a 45 degree mirror as well. Ah, right. So you go, oh, there it is. And then you get your wonderful picture of Mount Fuji. So Mount Fuji goes up to there and then bounces yeah, back down. And it bounces around the country yeah. and, uh, and down to your I, mirror. I guess if you didn't calibrate that properly, you'd end up with uh, upside down Mount Fuji's occasionally. Well, occasionally. And that's someone's, someone's job to fix that. Of okay. Um, or they just put all the furniture on the ceiling. That's not too bad. Yeah. And that That's would look, actually, the furniture on the ceiling would explain why you have romantic comedies because all the blood rushes to the head and everyone's a bit silly. Oh, so, all right. so they're like, <laughs> with their gecko feet. And that's why you're like, I can't think straight anymore. Instead of just going, I like this girl, let's go on a date. They have to kind of have hijinks because the blood's rushing. They're actually having mini strokes and they can't quite deal with what's going on. And that's why they act like morons. And that's why Matthew McConaughey it's does that sort of stuff so in those movies. popular, that's right. And then turns out to be really good in True Detective where he's right way up. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. And Interstellar when he was... Oh, where he had no gravity at all. You know, he's he's, actually, he's quite lot. good at that, yes. Well, he said there was lots of gravity because he fell into a black hole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was falling. So that's the thing. If you're falling, you're in free fall. So therefore, there's gravity. People in space near the planet Earth, feel there's gravity around them. They're just yeah. in free fall. Yeah. Therefore, they're falling in a gravitational field. They don't feel, they don't feel the gravity. But the gravity is there because you have to be... But everything else is falling. Falling, so you don't you, feel it. You feel the same thing if, so, if you're in a room... And someone dropped the room. Yeah, or an elevator. It's called. Oh that. yeah, it's called an elevator. But, yeah, but but, yeah, but yeah. when Matthew McConaughey was falling towards the black hole, he's like he would have been crushed to death instantly. And you're like, well, no, he's in free fall. Yes, he would get crushed to death. I know people don't get upset with me, physics people, but he wouldn't be instantly crushed because he wouldn't notice anything because he's actually in free fall towards the black hole. So he would just be. He would just think, oh, I'm in free. It'd be like being in space. But then things would start happening. He's got closer. And back. There is a little bit of a co- problem with your single drone theory. Oh, yes, yes. Is that like Mount Fuji would end up looking substantially further away than it was? Like, so you'd look through one window and you'd see Mount Fuji, but you look out the back window and you'd see tiny Mount Fuji because the the distance is extended because no, of no, bouncing no. off mirrors. No, no, no. But the, but no, the, the 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 initial collector is set in one spot. That's yeah. the initial collector. It's just bouncing the signal, the light to other places. So the, the reflecting like you, know, uh, you have a um, magnifying glass? No, no. Well, you could, but no, no. You don't need it. You you just have a splitter, like a beam splitter. Like you do in um, laser, when they do laser or gravity tests, they, they, you take a beam of light and you can split it with a beam splitter, which is like refracting and reflecting at the same time, a mirror. Ah, right. So you could just have a very powerful beam splitter that's just splitting it over a million different things. And you have to have a signal booster. And I'm not saying this is easy. Ah, right. I, I, look, I just came up with a good idea. So the tech people of the world have to actually make it work. But you know, it, it, they wouldn't necessarily get smaller. It just, you'd, have to be, you'd have to boost the signal occasionally. Yeah. That's not, we can boost signals. Yeah. Oh, reflection. No, that's a good that's Reflection, a good refraction. I went with the refraction oh, okay. idea. Oh, yes. The idea is that the corners of buildings in Tokyo yes. have, a, have an something about them that makes the air that comes off them super dense. Right. Super dense in in a big wedge. How about like a prism? Cold. Cold air yeah. is denser. So if you had a refrigerator at the top of each building on the corner, like a super refrigerator, mm-hmm. just dropping liquid helium everywhere, it would make it super cold at the corners of buildings and that would make the air more dense. And we see this in nature uh, with mirages. Uh. Because that's how mirage works, is that there's air that's cold and air that's hot right. next to each other. And so when the light hits it, it bends. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a different density. Yeah, yeah. So air is usually 1.000234. Yep. 
Just say one. Reflect. Re- just like, say one. No. Just say one. Okay, it's one. <laughs> but then when it gets cold, but space it gets a one. little bit, yeah, a little bit denser. It might not be just, just be air though. Like yeah. it's making a big wedge, which is basically a big prism. Yeah. A big prism, so that when the light comes in, it the prism makes it bend. Oh. It might not be air. It might be benzene. In fact, it shouldn't be air. Yeah. But why do you have a physical? Why do you have a solid object? Why don't you just have the corners of buildings with a? Because crystal? someone would have had to. Put it, I guess they, crystals they, could they, grow off the corners of the building. I suppose, but, you but could, yeah. yeah, glass, glass would work better than air. Yeah. Diamond would work amazing. Diamond. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a, got a very strong refractive index. Absolutely, twenty eight degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you you make a big wedge out of that, and the light hits one side, and then it bends and and comes actually, because diamonds side. aren't actually worth anything really. They they're kept expensive by companies like De Beers that just that hold back and make it an artificial scarcity. So they're not actually that. They're not worth the million dollars you pay mm. for a rock on your finger. But and we make factory diamonds. So factory made diamonds could be quite easily be made, and it wouldn't yeah. be that expensive, especially if you really, really wanted them. So and they wouldn't have to be pretty. They just they would sort of they'd have <gasps> to grow. Like you'd have to put them there. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm saying is this is a natural effect Ugh. on the corners of buildings like, in Japan of of, of a thickening of the substance that the light is traveling through. So if you're front facing, yes. no corners. And, and the light comes straight through the window. But on the side ones, the light actually bends through the prism and then comes in the side window. And then, uh, and then there's another one out the back. So it bends and comes through the back window. Right. That's a, a lot of refraction going on there. It is. Yeah. And what's the problem there? Well, you'd, the, the light behind, people behind you wouldn't have access to the light. Didn't you... think of that. I was thinking more so <laughs> that right. it's going to split into a prism. Like, it's a prism. Oh, light yeah. hits a prism. It could, and it yeah. it turns into a rainbow. Yeah, you, yeah, you, have, you have a prism. And so you've, you, but that's you, okay. That's you right. have an acid trip no, no, but you one out the you back. Wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily, if we're going that crazy, it just happens that in Japan that the, the glass that they use has exactly the right refractive index <sighs> to rejoin all the uh, the beams up again and, and back into a full image. Well, what you do, you have a wedge, a yep. prism, yep. and that would bend the light, yes. but it would split it, yep. and then you could have a lens uh, that gathered them all together yeah, 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 and basically. make them straight again. Yeah. Or make that prism also a lens. Yeah, sure. And yeah. that would work too. Yeah, 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 that's right. It's, it's, all, it's all very easy, very simple. And gather it back to white light. And I've found a really fun YouTube video that actually shows this. Oh, so check... Fuji? No, 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 not oh, Fuji, oh, okay, but right. just light being split and then gathered uh, back together. Okay. So check out the website. There's yep. a really cool YouTube well, is that video very, about very, that. There's a very famous picture of, the, the, like, they say Newton did it, and where you have... the the white light hitting it and it get the rainbow effect and then you have another prism and then it you know goes back into one beam that's quite a famous picture mm. and and I keep thinking of pink floyd but it's not the pink floyd one no <laughs> which is wrong but anyway it's a different thing so, so i thought that was kind of a fun way yeah and i i had a couple of other ideas i was thinking what's another instance where you can actually see something that's behind you when you're traveling almost the speed of light. Oh, like yes. the, your, the, accelerating. Your eye, yeah, yes, you're accelerating, yeah. your eye gathers more light. But yeah. the problem is you have, to, you have to at some point physically pass that object for you to then still be able to see it behind you. So the yeah. building would have to be traveling. Rotating around and traveling around. Traveling past. Yeah, in a circle or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Which makes it very difficult. So it, it, just like my building thing, you'd have to have built some sort of Hyperloop system where everyone in Japan was madly spinning like crazy people. Yeah. Now, and this, this has become a technological issue. This is more cri- crypto techno. Nah. Now, there was another thing I, idea I had, which was that you can actually bend light with gravity. Yes. 
So if you could put like super dense black holes in the hotel. Just tiny might, ones. Yeah, you might be able to bend the light around and send it back in the window. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can see that all the time. When you set Einstein lensing in space, you get like a super black hole in space and, and then you get these galaxies behind it, way off in the distance, like super distance. But we, we count more than one. And you go, well, hang on, this, this seems to be surrounded by, around this black hole, there seems to be five galaxies. When they actually look at it, they go, oh, it's not five, it's the same galaxy, but it's been, the light's been bent around, so we see it from the black hole. So it's a lens. So you can definitely do that with the, yeah. with, um, with the black hole. Hear that? You can definitely do that with the black <laughs> hole. That's the most sensible I think option. So. That's true. Or I've just realised, going back to your idea of the feed on the big screen TVs, Yes, it's just a poster. That would cost less than a TV. That would, it would, just put a poster yeah, up on Mount Fuji. And, Maybe that's all it is. And then and someone's job every season is to come and change it. So yeah. let's see different. <laughs> maybe and maybe just backlit so that it looks nice. Maybe there's a chip in their head that's just and it's like a little wireless thing and it's actually just downloading a picture of Mount Fuji directly into their brain. So they just think it's there. They go, oh, that must be there because I'm seeing it out the window. Again, the post is probably going to be cheaper. Yeah, but you're not you're less neurosurgery. True. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Payne, I thought you died. Pop quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on a spaceship. Once a spaceship goes sea, the bomb is armed. If it drops below sea, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do, Jack? Sorry, the bomb activates if it goes above sea? That's right, hotshot. Then if it drops below sea... Yeah, it explodes. I got that bit. But it only arms once it goes... Above sea. Faster than the speed of light. That's right, Jack. Now I want you to deliver three million credits to the garbage bin at Pershing Cube. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Getting on to 11 a.m., Jack, and I think it's going to be a beauty. Yeah, can I order another coffee? And now it's time to discuss something that we always love to hate on this podcast, babies. Ah, oh, babies are dumb. Babies are smart. Babies are evil. And now babies are goal orientated. Well, okay. Yeah, that's right. Babies, they're, oh, they're horrible things. They're go getters. They're go getters. They're, they're, they're great business leaders. They know how to make you dance to their little pudgy tunes. And what they've shown is at the University of California in San Diego, the study leader, Xavier Mavellin, he was saying he's a psychologist. He was saying that babies, when they smile at you, pick exactly the, the right time to smile and crinkle little crinkly eyes, and they lift up the little little lips to get you Stupid to smile smile back at them for the maximum amount of time. They're not just smiling at you; they have picked the, exactly the right moment to make the adult the happiest the adult will be, or at least smile at them. Because you know, smiling is fake it to make. If you smile, then your brain goes, "I must be." smiling for a reason therefore i'm happy oh yeah. and that's little, monstrous and the little buggers have worked out a way that they can actually they smile at the they go wait two three smile and they and the adult goes oh and the adult will stay smiling and and, and in this theory happier to be around this child for the longest period of time and the way they prove this yeah the way they prove it because i was like how would you what did you they designed a toddler robot which is 
as probably as scary as it sounds, a toddler oh robot that... Can when this thing stick on the ceiling with gecko feet? Well, but <laughs> that, that's the only reason I'd keep it around. Go clean out the corners of my roof. Toddler baby. And it was smiling at me. Oh, it's smiling at me. But anyway, the toddler... I always, I always like that thing of the baby mop, where you put a mop on the t- <laughs> tummy of the baby and the baby crawls around and mops the floor. Seems like a good plan to me. Yeah. There's no downside. Get some work out of that baby. Seriously. Anyway. Until it's the... old enough to go down a mine. Yeah, of course. Which is only like seven, uh, t- seven to ten. That's, you know, stop mollycoddling your children. You have, they have to get out there and get working as soon as possible. Seven to ten? That's yeah. hours away. That's it. <laughs> Anyway, this robot toddler, they just had it smile at people who came in, like test subjects, at random intervals, and then they detected to see how long the people were happy for after that smile. But like, they responded positively to it, and they went, "Oh, if we, if we, if we at this certain period of time, then they smiled back, or they, they, they were more amused or happy to be around this robot toddler." And then they checked that information versus when babies, just by watching babies and mm-hmm. parents, and they went, "Oh my god, they." They're doing exactly the right amount of time. They, they, they're so close to that right amount of time. They've worked it out, the little buggers. So basically, when your baby, when you walk, if, you, if you're a listener to the podcast and you have a baby and you walk into the room and it just sits there for a moment, like it doesn't smile straight away, it just sits there and then it smiles, it's played you. It is utterly, totally, and utterly, utterly played you. Wait a second. There's another way of looking at this data, isn't mm-hmm. there? Is there? Yeah. It's that the baby has to figure out when to smile because it's just too dumb to get... It's still loading up the software and then... And it's very similar with all babies. Mm. But the parents have actually evolved to appreciate a smile after a certain amount of time. Well, maximize. According to this, the parent will will enjoy the smile if the baby smiles, but the baby smiles at the right moment to increase the happiness of the parent. So, because you want to keep your parent happy, so they don't throw you out the goddamn window, which is what we'd all do. Any sensible, rational, well-adjusted adult, so I've been told, yeah, that would throw a child out the window. You talk to any parent, and they always go, "I can't, don't sleep anymore because little Jenny just." Won't shut up. Ask me questions. They always sound like the next thing they're going to say is, and I would murder that thing, but the law would. Yeah, yeah. but 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 if if the baby smiled like like after one second rather than after four seconds, then wouldn't the parents begin to evolve to like babies would survive longer? Wait, I'm confused. Who's killing who? Yeah, parents are killing babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Babies I can't kill parents not very yet. effectively. Not very effectively. Not after the first couple of minutes. No, it's quite hard, yeah. Unless, unless Which call... has always been a pr- pretty nasty problem historically. Yes. Well, babies have been amazing yeah, at yeah. killing women. That's, that's true. That's very true. Until the modern yeah. era, many, many women died in childbirth. Yeah. And many babies did too. Very few men died from babies. Um, early on, I'm going to say. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, it's got dark. <laughs> anyway... Babies are the monster? Now I feel weird. I, I, I was going with babies are monsters, but now I feel that adults are monsters. Adults are monsters? Yeah. God, we just throw that. Quickly, babies, throw your parents out the window. Smile for your lives. Smile. Smile. Dan, I'm back for my sex reassignment surgery. Your what? My sex reassignment surgery. I've been talking about this for ages. Now, let's get back to writing that flying high sketch. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and and thank you so much for calling me Shirley. Pimp my time. Dan is sent into the time chamber. The door locks behind him, and the countdown begins. He has one hour before the time machine powers up and sends him to... Click, click, click. 
The machine now tells him, Tehran. Well, what is now modern-day Tehran, 500 BCE? This is Dan's time to pimp. 500 BC Tehran. Yes. I emerge from the machine, and I immediately start scouting around for, like, a piece of charcoal or some paint or anything to inscribe something on something else. Why is that? Because then I grab it. You have the ground and your finger. I've got the ground and my finger. You just go uh, in the ground. I could do that, but I kind of need to record this for a bit longer. Right. Eventually it needs to go on parchment or something. I see. Okay. And I draw something and I'm doing it now. He's he's actually drawing it now. I don't know what it is. What is so important in 500 BCE, Tehran, Middle East, Tehran didn't exist back then, but what does Dan think is a symbol? What will, what's a symbol will save his life or make his life a lot better? He's not showing him. Yeah, no, oh. no, I just, that's, that's something I just had to do. Oh, as okay. soon as I got out, I had, right. to, I had to write that thing. I see. I had to draw something. I see. I had to draw something. I am not in Tehran. No. I'm in the Archimedes Empire. Right. Also called the First Persian Empire. Dun, dun, dun. Fascinating place. It's, Persians are great. It's great. good carpet. But good everything. <laughs> good government. Good government? Their government was pretty clever. Oh, okay. At the time, they'd, they'd storm in and they'd take over a place. Yep. But then they'd allow all the traditions to remain as they were. Uh. And so people would be like, oh, you can't come in and take over. And go, we took over and everything's just a little bit better. And everyone went, oh, oh. There's less violence in the streets. This is all right. But we want to worship this. Yeah, you can do that. But we'd want to be ruled by someone local. We'll instill someone in government. So, think, so it's like a, like a client state. Yeah, yeah. it was. Mm. Uh, they were called satraps. Oh, okay. And they would they would rule providences under the king. Yeah. I'm assuming they just had to send taxes back or something. Yeah, there was a centralized bureaucratic administration. Oh, yeah, okay. And it was a government working for the profit of its subjects for building infrastructure such as postal systems and road systems, which were pretty much the same thing at the time. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, we want a postal system. We want to be able to send information from this city to this city. How do yep. we do that? We build a road and then people run up and down the road. Yep. But it was a road that was secure. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just a goat track yep. where they were full of bandits. There was like, no, this is our road. Yep. F*** off. Yeah, don't come on our road. Yeah, that's it. Yep. You can come along our road, but yeah. don't start with that... Highwayman hijinks yes, and right. all that bullshit. Or some nice Persian man with a great beard will turn up and do something terrible this to you. It's a good road yep. that we keep it well maintained right. and horses run up and down it and they're, <laughs> they're happy. Right. Okay. Good, good. This doesn't sound like you need it at all in this time. Not in the government. No, There's okay. not a lot of, uh, I can offer there. You can't, I, I, like, so I like to work in your government. Like, oh, no, we, sorry, we, we, we are very good people. We can't have you. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. There was also an official language. Oh, good. So they sort of get, yes. so it, once you can communicate with people, yeah. it's a lot easier to trade with them and not kill them yep. all the time. <laughs> That's right. And also, once you're trading with people, you don't want to kill them because you get money from them. Yeah. That makes it even even better. The Archimedes Empire, at its peak, ruled over 44% of the world's population. The highest figure for any empire in history. Nicely done, Persians. Well done. Who was the king? Ah, oh, some dude. <laughs> Didn't matter. Didn't matter? Okay. Didn't matter. You know what sure? uh, The empire was really strong, uh, yep. and only internal scuffles could possibly weaken it. Right. There was some talk of unrest in because people were like, oh, we're a little bit away. Let's have a little bit of a mutiny, and we can go off on our own. But yep. that wasn't really a problem at this point. Okay. We are still 170 years off Alexander the Big coming in and right. yep. buggering everything up. Yep, 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 yep. I can't really help... On a geopolitical nope. thing. Okay. I, I don't think I'm going to be going in and 
helping whoever it is take over other parts of the world. You think, you think you've already, they're already... And also, I like the fact you looked up Alexander the Great, so you've already gone... You can, maybe I can warn them about that crazy bastard turning up to be, be bad. Oh, no, it's 170 years away. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Yeah. But it doesn't help you at all. Doesn't help me. Watch out for that guy! You know, yeah, he's over there. He's behind the trees. Don't have to do that too nah. much. Okay, yep. Good. Okay, so I turn up at this time. Persian youths from their fifth year to their twentieth year, mm-hmm. so they're basically school yep. and college. Yep, they're instructed in three things: to ride a horse, yes, to draw a bow, nice, and to speak the truth. Ooh. And truth is a big thing. They Ooh. talk about truth a lot in the literature. Okay, they're all about truth telling and. It's a massive problem if you tell a lie. Right. Like, they're all about, let's let cards on the table, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're... Or else I'm cutting your f***ing hand off. <laughs> I, I don't know whether they did that. No, that, was a, that was a mildly racist I think thing it, to yeah, say. It, it, it kind of was, yeah, yeah. Middle East cutting hands off. Yeah, I, I'd yeah. like to take that back. We, we might just, yeah, we might just pull that back. Okay, okay. <laughs> tell the truth yeah. or I'll fly a plane into... No, no, I'm not, no, 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 no. no. Not the Persians. They're okay. Awesome. I, I could I could look into making like a truth machine, <laughs> like what are these uh, a polygraph? Right, okay, okay, mm. but quite in, in an hour, in uh, an hour, you're going to learn how to make a number one polygraph. in an hour, number yeah. two, they, electricity, number three, they don't work, they don't work, yeah, that's right, they're they don't work, that's right, yeah, we know enough about polygraph machines that they only work in the movies, yes, they're bullshit, yeah, 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 yeah. that's very odd, very odd, very strange things. So I'm like, what are my other options? Like- to draw a bow. Ah. I'm like, bow and arrows. Oh, yes. Like 500 years BC. Yes, yes. Like, BC, yes. their bows would be shit. Yes, you'd hope Just so. a stick with a string. <laughs> no, not I'm so, like, not you so know much, what? Surely. They would have only just invented bows and arrows, I reckon. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, so maybe... There's a bow that I know about. It's called the recurve bow. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you, you've got your long bows, and yeah. they've been around for quite a long time. And that's just a big D. Like, you look at the bow from the side, it looks like a big D. Yep. And you pull back on the string, and it's really fucking hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Really, I bleep myself. Why did I censor myself and then bleep myself? It's really fucking hard. And there's a lot of energy in that yep. bow. And you, you have to be a really powerful Welshman. Yeah, a Really yeah. strong Welshman. Really and, and the bow has to be massive. Yeah, yeah. It's, it has it's, to be massive. six six foot, I think. Six foot bow. Yeah, yeah like, like, Giant yeah. things. Yeah. And they wouldn't be that tall back then either. Yeah, like, but the, the bow's you. got, the arrow's got a fair bit of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punch through steel, which Punch he wouldn't, wouldn't have been wearing steel. This yeah. Anyway. Now, a recurve bow mm. is really interesting because... What it does is it goes, it's like a big D, but on the end it sort of flips out. It mm. sort of scoops out like a 1950s haircut. Nice. On a lady. <laughs> Fair enough. Or, or a 1450s haircut on a man. Right. Like a, yeah. like a page. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. but it's, it flips out. Yep. And what happens is you pull back and it's not as hard to pull back. Mm, to, not, to begin with. It's not as hard to pull back. Oh, okay. And then when you let go, it's the, the whip effect of the, the scoop at the end of the bow oh. that actually puts more power into it. Good. Okay. Yep, yep. A weaker man can send an arrow just as effectively as a stronger man on a long bow right. with a recurved bow. Yep. And I'm like, well, that's that's bloody easy tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, that's easy tech. I'm sure you can explain it to someone. I can. Yeah, that's going to be easy. I could, I could explain it to all sorts of people. Yeah. I'd explain it to the people who invented it 300 years prior. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. I think because the Mongols ran around and did a lot of raiding and they had amazing bows from horseback. They had horse, horse bows, yeah. which are, have to be much shorter because you can't move yeah. from side to side if it's six foot tall. Yeah, they weren't going for long. They were quite short, short range bows. But they were short range bows. They, they, and had, they, were, they had horses to get Yeah. 
they got the horse to you and then they shot you with an arrow. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, shit, fire! And so you, so you, you ran towards them with a sword and they only had to get so many meters and go, plonk it, oh, I'm dead. Yeah. Yep, so. So yep. a horse bow is, yeah, yep. definitely a thing. Um, so, but the most ancient written record of the use of recurved bows was found in Psalm 58, 57. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow. <gasps> And also, deceitful bows probably wouldn't go down well yes. in, 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 in truth-telling. Yeah, that's right, yes. So this this psalm is d- dated by scholars to 8th century BCE. Uh, it's eight, yeah, okay, it's 800 oh, BCE. Oh, so it. I'm like, oh, well, what, and what archery tech is newer yes. than 500 BC? Yes. I'm like, oh, actually, maybe it's not the bows. Maybe it's the arrows. Oh. Because you think about it, when they started, they just it's just a big D and a stick. Put, it's like, what about <laughs> yep. What about putting feathers on it so that it yeah. goes real straight? Yeah, yep, yep, some, yep. Yeah, fletching, it's right. called. Yes. Feathers that guide the arrows, first recorded use, 8,242 wow. BC. Okay. Like, yeah. bows and arrows, do you know how old they are? How old? No, I have no idea. You have no idea? No. Neither does any other person on planet oh, Earth. Right. They are so old. They are before... People started to record stuff at oh, all. Oh, wow. So we had bows for a very long time. The oldest recording of a bow was 10,000 oh BC. Wow, okay. It's been around a really long time. We're bow crazy. We like, love that stuff. It's, it's, bows don't kill yeah. people. People kill people. Who invented fire? Yeah, yeah. Well, the fire, remember, fire is pre... We've talked about this in the podcast. Fire is pre-human. Pre, well, pre-homo sapiens. Yeah, sapien. yeah. So homo sapiens sapiens have always had fire. It was one of the things that we evolved from had fire. So that's that would freak me out. So humans have never not had fire. Who paint who painted the pointed stick? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's that old. Wow, okay. So fletching someone shot a bird yes. and then used the same arrow and there were feathers stuck to the arrow uh, and they went, Ah uh, uh, that's uh that's actually a lot easier. I wonder, I wonder, I have this image now of like Neanderthals, because the Neanderthals have lots of evidence in their bones that they had a habit of wrestling large animals and running up and going, hey, large animal, punch, wrestle, stab it to death with a spear, but like, like, like but not a throwing spear, yep. which is more like a dart, but like, like stab, 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 stab. And, and we're, and we're Homo sapiens sapiens. We were a bit more, we threw spears and we, we, we were grassiles. So we, we did things at range. Maybe they didn't just do it with a spear. Maybe they, you know, maybe these poor Neanderthals are like, hi, who are you? Like, we're Homo sapiens sapiens. Thwonk. <laughs> Holy crap, he just shot us about 100 meters away. Yes, we own everything you own now. Yeah. Let's make love. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, what yeah. possible archery thing has been invented recently? Crossbows. Uh, yeah. Four, 14th century or so, isn't I didn't it? even bother. Didn't even bother? <laughs> didn't even bother. Yeah. No, there's a, because I want to look at bows. Yes. The compound bow. Yep. The compound bow. Ah. Now, a traditional recurve bow has a very linear draw weight curve. Okay. What this means is that you start to pull back on it, yep. and it's 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 kind of it's easy. And the more you pull it, the harder it gets. And yep. So it's like that's how you know to fire it. Yep. And then you let go, and it goes whoosh, and all that energy goes straight into the arrow, and the arrow goes whoosh, and into something else. Yep. Okay. Into a Greek. Into a Greek. <laughs> So little energy is stored in the first half of the draw and much more energy at the end where the draw weight is the heaviest. Right. The compound bow operates with a different weight profile. So you pull back on the compound bow and it's like, fuck, this is hard. Yeah. Jesus. Uh. And then as it gets to the end, it goes whoosh. And it goes, oh, that's really easy now. So and you can it's really hold it. easy to hold. You can hold it in place. Yeah. You can hold it in place. Yeah. And you can put a lot more energy into that and uh. into, into that bow. Yeah. Okay, because the more energy that goes in, the more energy comes out and into the arrow. Yeah, it's pretty complicated though. It's a complicated thing, isn't it? It's lots of 
we, we it is a complicated pulleys, pulleys and wheels if and things. You look at a compound bow. Yeah, yeah. there's pulleys and yeah. wheels. I just realised that's a really good idea actually, because the number of pulleys you have. If you have pulleys, and that's why you can lift a greater weight. So if you have five pulleys, simple machines, if you if you double the distance, you half the effort with simple machines, no matter what, like ramps or pulleys, anything, that's how it always works. Stairs, that's why, why we build things the way we build them. So if you had a six-foot-long, a two-meter-long bow, but you made it a compound bow with five pulleys on it, and then you pulled back on one string and it's tight, it tautened through the pulley system, you would store a lot more energy into that system. A yep. lot, lot, lot more energy, because you double the distance, you're halving the effort, or you're, or the other way around, you you double the effort and you halve the distance. So simple you're machine. You're starting to get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we know the principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's a very complex thing, though. Mm, it's mm. got it's got pulleys. There's a there's what's called a cam. Mm-hmm. That's the wheel, is, isn't it? it? Well, there's a wheel that's a wheel, and yep. then there's another wheel which is a cam, right. which is kind of a wheel that's off center. Ah. It's a bit complex. Yes. So in the hour that you gave me, yes, I memorized the plan for right. how to make it. Uh huh. And then. When I stepped out of the machine, right. I wrote it down as quickly as possible. Right. That's it. He's drawn. That's it. <laughs> uh oh. That's not a compound bow at all. Sorry. That's just. What is that? I'm f. Greg. Yeah, that's right. I'm in deep shit. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't. It kind of looks like a, like a pin. Like, look, you've drawn a really nice logo for a company. Like, he's kind of like, welcome to Archer Corporation. Like, it's, no, I, you're, you're not. Turn it on its side, it looks like a lady's sexual reproductive system. Everything you draw always looks like a lady's sexual reproductive system. That's just you, Dan. Oh, no. And that's what they're going to think. You're going to go, hello, I'm from the future. I'm here to save you. Why have you drawn ladies' reproductive organs? I'm from the future. I've kind of got this very basic idea. Right, yeah. But... I'm I'm in a lot of trouble. Right. Yes. Yes. But yes, there's also a thing called an Allen bow, and okay. that was the beginning of the compound bow movement. Uh, okay. And that was a little bit easy to digest. Okay. Because you get the bottom of your bow and you put the string on it. You should probably take a photo of that and put it in the podcast notes. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. So and then people can look at it and you can say that if you want to see what I drew, it's there. Yeah. And then we. Okay, and everyone can have a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you drew it. You might as well yeah. want to see it, yeah. So you, you attach the string to yeah. the bottom of the bow. Okay. And then you take it up to the top of the bow. Right. And there's a little, it's like a, a pinball flipper. Mm-hmm. Like a little, like you know, a pinball yeah, yeah, flipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's sitting there and it, it's, it's flexing. It, it, hang on. What's, what's it? It's on a... Hinge? Hinge. It's on a hinge. Right. <laughs> it's on a hinge <laughs> yes. and, and, and it's sort of lying down along the bow. And yep. you wrap the string around that flipper. And then it goes down the back, and halfway down the back is where you notch your arrow. Okay. And then the string keeps going down to the bottom of the bow, yep. and it goes around another flipper, and then it goes all the way up, and it connects to the top of the bow. Uh-huh. Okay. As I said before, having multiple pulleys, the string's yep. hanging around and around, it's getting more energy, yeah. into the, in, storing more energy into the wood. So you can visualize that. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Okay. Okay. Now, those strings are actually not just connected to the bow but they're connected to the flippers themselves ah. so as you pull back on that string i've got to stop acting it out so the flippers are going to pull out there yeah so you extra length to the bow exactly uh-huh. so at the beginning of the pull the bow is a normal uh-huh. length and then as you put push energy in that energy makes the bow longer yeah and there's a much more energy going in yeah and then as it's they flip more. all the way back then it makes the bow shorter again yes, and it's yep. easier to hold there. Oh, okay. So you're putting yep. your, your energy 
uh, graph is a little bit and then a lot and then back to a little bit, yeah, which yeah. is what you want. Mm. And that makes it really easy to hold. Mm. And then when you let go, all that energy goes back into the system and the arrow collects it and then goes whoosh and yep. the arrow shoots off. And kills a Greek. Kills a Greek. That's right. Faster and smarter than any bow before. So <laughs> I can't make compound bows, yes. but I can definitely make Allen bows. And I've yep. got the... The plan yep. to possibly figure out what the hell I was thinking when I tried to write down ah, the common so, bow. So, so you could give them the Allen bow. Here's an Allen bow. It's it's ten percent better than your other bows. But give me a couple of years yep. and I'll give you something even better if you don't kill me. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. <laughs> at least I know that it's possible and that yep. that drawing that I've made yep. is kind of right. Yes, kind of right. I like the idea that from that drawing you've done, they they start letting only women become archers. They're like, oh, oh, we understand why you drew that yeah. now, Dan. Only women can be archers. Now, now, there might be people in the audience who are saying, really, Dan, you're going to make a compound bow. Yeah, yeah. You're going you're gonna to sell your services. You're going to ma- manage to ma- weasel your way into the Persian culture <laughs> with this fairly complex thing that involves a bow that you will almost definitely make and break. Yes. Because it's got all sorts of shit going on. And they do break pretty easily, too. They quite, break pretty yeah, easily because yeah. there's a lot of energy going yeah, into them. That's right, yeah. So if but, you don't make it right, and it that's And that's because now there's these things like carbon fiber and, and inside yeah. plastics and steel. They wouldn't have that. So you'd no. have to, like, piece, you'd snap the bow a lot Indeed. Of the time. And, and one of the YouTube videos I saw, mm. that that's exactly what happened. Oh, wow. That is the bow snapped because so much energy went in, yeah. into it. And, in fact, with most carbon nanofiber ones, yeah. you are not allowed to do a dry release with a carbon, wow, okay. with a compound bow. Yeah. Because if you pull back and you don't have an arrow in there that's resisting mm. the thing, mm. and you let go, you'll fuck up your bow. Yeah, you the could, thing will explode. You can make you actually break it. No, okay, you, yep. you will almost definitely break it. Mm. Like they're that. that. Should we scale it up then, or should you scale it up then? I'm not going. Look, if you you're, you're talking about making this a bow that a human can fire, why not make it like a ballista and make it like a like tree trunks and put it on the back of an elephant or something and like shoot an entire platoon to death? At so one. you reckon it, it may not work as, as a small thing? Yeah. So let's put an enormous amount of energy into something that, when it breaks, oh, kill will kill a lot of people. And then just right into the centre of them, and it's going to kill someone. Yeah. But, but, I mean, because a tree trunk will be able to store more energy, yeah. I'll say, than yeah. a piece of wood. That's well, here's the problem. Yep. You can't use wooden arrows in a compound bow because uh. there's a good chance that they'll shatter and pierce the heart <laughs> oh. of people around you. Nice. Like, it will... They, oh, wow. It'll shatter, and tiny splinters oh, will wow. fly into people around it. It's basically a wood bomb. That's oh. <laughs> So you want to give them to you. You're, you're going to say, hi, Persians. I'm going to make this thing called a compound bow, which I'm not going to give to you. I'm going to give to the Greeks. <laughs> and therefore, they're going to kill themselves. Be careful of Persians bearing, bearing gifts. gifts. <laughs> I'm like, all right. All right. There's, a, there's one more thing yep. that's bow-related. Yep. It's not as hard as a compound bow. All right. It's a weight. It's a stabilizer. Oh, oh! The front of that thing. Yeah, there's a big, there's a pole that yeah, goes yeah, off yeah. the front of a bow it, it looks with like a weight a fond, on the end. A fondue scoop, basically. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weight that just extends off the front of your bow. Yes. With a, and it's, it's weighted at the end, and you can also have them side to side. And all it does is, when you're firing the bow, it stops you from introducing error into the system. Because uh, if you cause if like you a, spin as you let go, yeah, then. The arrow it, it is not right. Well, it's inertia. It'll be the, the inertia of the stabilizer will stop it from moving. Exactly uh-huh. right. It's the inertia because yeah. the thing to, that makes a good archer is by being able to replicate your results mm. every single time. And a good scientist, just in general. Oh yeah, I suppose so. That's everything really. That's, that's, yeah. um, a good cook. A good cook is also a person who can replicate the results every time. But a if, good lover. 
the person who can replicate the results every time. But if your bow Ladies. is not necessarily like if you if every time it's yeah that's still too short yeah yeah, but, yeah. But it's exactly the same amount yeah. of shortness yeah no a good lover has to be dynamic has to re it's it's like an impro scene. It's, oh god! Yeah, I know. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, it's no. as disappointing as an improv scene. <laughs> That's right. The people saying these and thys and thous for no reason. The the bow <laughs> could spin like it could rotate, yep. or it could spin side to side or up mm. and down. Your but pitch. if but if you get that inertia, yep. then you can replicate your shot again and again and again much more effectively. And all it is is a rod with a weight on the end. I'm sure no one do. thought of this until the 60s. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to put weights on all the bows and everyone's going to go, oh, my God, you, sir, are a pimp. That's my Persian rap. I thought it was more Greek, actually. Weren't you doing, weren't you doing Zorba? No, I was dancing so but oh, I was singing oh, I'm Persian. Sorry, okay, just cover well, you say, say it's all bows, it's all bows, bows all the way down. Yeah, nicely done. I love the fact in history, if we go open a history book, and there's going to be a picture. This man is Danis the Great, and he, he just you holding a stick with a weight on it, going, "Hey, yeah, pointed stick, pointed but stick. not pointed." That's yeah, right. I took the point off the stick and made the world a much more violent, the, the place. best weapon in the world. <laughs> I am sending you back in time, Gregoire. What, really? Yes. Really? Something good, I hope. 1855. Hey, that's pretty, that's pretty recent. That's good. Kentucky. That's probably not as good. America. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. 1855. Kentucky. The US. Yeah. I will go there and I will invent chicken. <laughs> the game? Yeah, I'm going to ride my horse at people. <laughs> Until they give me all their money. <laughs> hey, now my horse belongs to you. Who are you, stranger? Ah, give me your horse. That's the rule. I come from the future. I look forward to it. I will do that. Excellent. Wednesday is a very important day. It's the 21st of October, 2015. And that's a very important day. <gasps> I missed my stepbrother's birthday. <laughs> that was yesterday. Damn Right. Now we feel everyone now should feel sad. The song I'm gonna play was actually Happy Birthday <laughs> to you. Sorry, John. Happy birthday. Anyway, I've shown this John. Brendan. Ah oh, crap! Doubly bad. Sorry, Brendan. Alright guys, uh, listen this is the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Son of a bitch. 
of Back to the Future because if you don't know this by now we're sure every nerd does October 21st this very Wednesday will be the time when Marty came back from 1985 Back to the Future to 2015 well, forward to the future forward to the f- don't don't make don't make us weird Marty went forward to the future the yes. doc was going back to the future from the future which was Wednesday! This is Wednesday with the flying boards and the hover cars and the, all the other way around. I don't know. It makes a difference. But oh my god. So, as of Wednesday, we're living in the future. Yeah, and that's the important part to remember out of all this. People go, oh, we haven't got hoverboards, we haven't got flying cars. Screw all that! Screw all that! They didn't have the internet. They couldn't download a picture of a cat instantly from their phone. They, couldn't, they didn't even have phones! Now, they didn't. You didn't see one phone. Well, nah. Not in their pockets. Because uh, here's my here's my theory. I have a theory about this. Yeah. My theory. It's not based on anyone else's theory. I think that the the Biff Tannen future when he took the almanac back. Oh, spoilers by the way for you know the, a movie that's very old. Uh, thirty years. Thirty years old. So get you haven't seen it. Go see it. You know, the, the thing is, as of Wednesday. Yes. Back to the Future is set. The same amount of time ago yes. as the past that he went back yes, to. Yes, it in is. In the first film. That's right. It's 60 years. This Wednesday is 60 years <laughs> since Marty landed yes. in the past. That's right, that's right. I saw Back to the Future in the, in, at, at the drive ins. They don't have drive-ins in the future. So Biff Tannen took the almanac back and changed that to alternate reality. And in that reality, they got flying cars, they got hoverboards, they got holographic sharks leaping out of buildings Mm -hmm. to to sell movies. We didn't get any of that, but we got the internet and we got the New Horizons probe. We got a, I think we got the better deal. I think we got the better deal, ladies and gentlemen. We've got, we can make a lot of food for people. Middle we can't distribute it very well, but it's there. And uh, you know, we got great medicines and and everything's doing quite well. We haven't, like one percent of the population doesn't control 50% of the world's wealth. 
Oh, oh, wait, hang on. They, they do. But the good thing is uh, that we didn't have to sit through 22 chores films. That's thank God. That was the thing. Michael Caine's career did much better because of that. Uh, basically, I think we're in the better future. This is the important part. This is the future we live in. And we're living here now. So stop waiting for the future to arrive. It's here. Eclectic Method wrote a song about it. The movies are done. Now we have to do our own thing and make it even better. Also, uh, we do have... Holographic sharks. Do we? Yeah. Oh, we have these amazing virtual reality goggles and uh, and uh, ac accented reality type things oh, yeah. where oh. you could put on glasses that you could see through and see your room, but then extra information, digital information, gets input so you could play Minecraft on your dining room table. Yes, that's brilliant. That's a good point. We do. I think we live in the better time. Like we, we also have. Jetpacks, yes, real jetpacks that do. not many people play with, no, and no. the ones in the water, yes, yeah, that the people water can play with. That's true, and there we've got hoverboards. There are hoverboards. Middle, you have to have a copper-based um, ramp and things, and you know. that's what I thought too. Oh yes, until two days ago. Two days ago, when, just in time, when a record was set in, I think it was Norway, oh. possibly a Scandinavian country, or yeah. maybe it was Canada. Okay, no, it was definitely Canada. Okay. <laughs> Someplace cold. Stupid Canadians. They have a hoverboard, which is basically, you know those quadcopters you like so much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a dozen of them. <laughs> and you stand on the back of them and fly around, and it's untethered. Is that is that a hoverboard? Is it, What's it doing? It's, I guess it's... It's hovering. It's air what are you effect. standing on? It's air effect. It's not hovering. Yeah, not like a hot... A helicopter. Helicopter or a, yeah. Okay, fine, I'll give it to you. Or fine. a hummingbird. Oh, we live in the best... Oh, to use a line from Community, the TV series, we live in the best possible future. This is it. And if that upsets you, get up there and bloody change it. Make it better. It's not going to get any better than this, ladies and gentlemen. It can't. Actually, that's not true. Sorry, I take that back. If, if only we, I hadn't lost an eye. It did, that's, well, someone had to lose an eye. You look cool in the patch. Get out there and change it. If you're like, well, the future sucks and the politicians suck and the science sucks, go and do something about it because you can. Especially if you listen to this podcast, you are the top people. You're the cleverest, the smartest, the most attractive and the bravest people who have ever lived in history. It's you. And I'm, not, I'm talking to you, not the person behind you. And I, you know, they're going, well, he probably means someone else. No, I'm talking to you, listener, right now. Change the world. Work it out. Don't ask us how to do it. We're in it. As Doc Brown says, the future is not set, Marty. <laughs> you have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. You can follow us on Twitter at SE2KB. And Facebook, SE2KB. And get onto iTunes and rate us and review us and subscribe to Absolutely. us. And if you think you could have done something better than Dan in 500 BCE that wasn't so simple as a stick that pointed stick that wasn't pointed to make the best weapon in the world you tell us we'd love to know we always love to hear what you think would happen in that time period maybe you're like i'm a persian expert and you should have made chocolate or something like that then yeah, we'd love to know look and when it comes to us making mistakes we want you to point them out to us Absolutely. we have no walk of shame no walk of shame and, uh, how can we <laughs> yeah Ridiculous. and uh, quite frankly podcast is coming up a bit short so yes. this time i really half-assed my research <laughs> so see if you can find mistakes that we've made on purpose yeah, on purpose. They went, they went on purpose. They went on purpose. If you find a mistake that I've made, please oh, yes. send it to Greg at smartenough.org. And when Dan makes a terrible, terrible gaffe, send it to Greg at smartenough.org, then we can surprise them with it. <laughs> did you intentionally make that mistake? Oh, did I? Oh, no. No, wait, Dan. Oh, hang on. I think we've, I think we've sorted it out. That's good. That's yeah. Thank goodness.
Now, we've got, I got sent an email from a listener, Jen McCormack, who is a volunteer for the Letters to Pre-Scientist program. As Jen writes, uh, this is a pen pal program that matches scientists to students in underfunded classrooms in hopes of encouraging children to pursue their STEM-related interests, science, technology, engineering, and maths, of course. Many of these students have never seen the world outside of their communities and don't know whether they'll ever make it out of high school. Having scientists mentors connect with them through a pen pal program inspires and encourages them and shows them what's possible. It's only four letters a year, but it makes such a difference in their life. I think it's a really, really good program. It's When I looked into it, I was all for it. I think that if you are a person who works in the science area, please, or if, even if you're not, please go to prescientist.org. We'll put the links in the show notes, of course. And if you are a scientist, think about signing up. Four letters a year, just to be able to tell a child in a country, hey, you could be a scientist. Because let's face it, the next Einstein could be living in Libya or Tehran or Chad, not the sun, the, the, the country. Nothing lives in Chad. Nothing lives on that Chad, but there's Chad, Chad the country. Or Bolivia or anywhere, Uruguay, wherever you're like, any interesting place that you can think of, Cambodia, any of these children uh, would be very useful to probably know that they could be scientists and solve cancer. Adelaide. Adelaide. Oh, my goodness. No, they're, they're beyond hope. So, yes, get on to that, the pre-scientist program. And thanks to Jen McCormack for caring enough to get in contact with us so we could spread the word. I feel bad about targeting Adelaide now. <laughs> They're going to put me in a bank vault in there. No, 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 no. That's, they're not all like that. They're that's sick what, of that joke. Yeah, they're they are pro- sick to death of that joke. That's right, that's right, yeah. They'll kill you. They'll kill you for it. All right. And as we always like to say, pointed stick without a point. kind of like this podcast. those little arachnids that crawl around like thousands of them in your pillows and we've all heard about this and it's totally true these little arachnids are there and they actually absorb water insects through their bodies insects are they yeah, you, well, you you got called up on this on oh, a yes. shame. Oh, I did too. Yeah, sorry, they are insects. I'm sorry. Yes, I said arachnids again. The arachnids are the ones that live on your face. That's right. They're the ones that they're the ones that live on your face and your paws and then don't poop. The demodex. And, and then they die, yes, and they and sometimes oh so anyway, sorry, yeah, you good point. Got me to lie on my back. This is like my shoulder mm-hmm. uh, on the back. And then she made me lie and she attacked my groin. Like she was really pushing in really hard onto my thigh, right up into my groin. And I was like, it hurts, like no idea. I was like, this Oh my god, this hurts. This hurts so much. And she's like, aha, right, I found something here. I'm not used to using this organ. <laughs> no, that's right. No. And, and, and she's just like, and it's like, oh god, is this meant to hurt? And she's like, no, no, the fact that you're in so much pain, I've worked out what's happened. Mm. Well, everything is collapsing your back, and now your, your, your leg muscles are holding all the, like holding it all together. It's down here. And I was like, that sounds like bullshit. And then she, and then afterwards, I went, oh god, it feels really good. My back was like, she braced my back up. And then I didn't go back for weeks and weeks and weeks yeah. and weeks. She released everything down. Down here in the in the sort of the pelvis area because I was obviously my, I was holding it weirdly in there. Everything's being controlled by my penis. <laughs> Damn it! The, the legends are true. Everything goes wrong. The other muscle groups have to hold you in position to mm. lock you down. And then it was my my groin. <laughs> the most powerful part of my body. <laughs> so we the biggest. The last line of defense. <laughs> Where I push all my hate and rage. <laughs> Wait, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. Ah, Mr. Wah, let's just shake hands. Ah! Stop your hand. Mm. I don't think you're right for the company. <laughs> I'm passionate! Mm. <laughs> Jenkins, who is this go-getter? <laughs> Look at him, thrust at the problem! I wish to shake his hand. <laughs> ah! ah!
Now let's bounce our penises off each other. <laughs> yes, Mr. Musk. All my dreams have come true. Now you know why they call me Musk. <laughs> this podcast comes out on the Sunday. Today is a Sunday. Yes. And it's coming out. It is actually coming out today. Well, yeah. yeah, I hope so. Because <laughs> I don't know. They're now, taking our time doing the recording. We may not be finished recording until the Monday. Especially with all my prowess of thrusting. That's not, not going to make any sense until after the credits. Good point. <laughs> it is a good point. <laughs> ah, Mr. <laughs> Musk. Mr. Musk, you're in the room again. This is a good point. <laughs> it is a good point. None of this. Ah! Enjoy the epilogue. Wednesday is a very important day for science and ignorance and comedy. Hump day. Hump day. Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yep, this isn't coming out till Monday. Um, Vern, stop pointing at your penis. What? <laughs> the, the kids, Jules and Vern. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. And Vern's like pointing at his <laughs> way. And like, uh, 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 uh. What happened to Jules and Vern? Are they real? We should look that up. Like, Back to the Future 4 is going to be the adventures of Jules and Vern, surely. It's, um, yeah. That, oh, Whoa, that's excellent. That, that's ours. That's ours. You can't have it. We did that. That's ours. It's back yeah. up. Not Paramount. That, yeah, that's right. Ours. That's ours. Not Robert, Zem- R- R- Robert Zemeckis? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's ours. Ours. It's ours. 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 Give us money. Um, yes, it's, it's, I saw it as an ad. Why just point us our penises? It's... <laughs> ah! 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 We're in Musk! Ah! Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And thank you so much for calling me Shirley. I called you Shirley. <laughs> like, Polly Shirley. Surely, Polly Shirley, you can't be serious. Don't ruin this for me. Uh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do it with an American accent. Surely you can't be. Surely you can't be serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you might have. I'm gonna have to do an American yeah, accent. Yeah, 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 fair enough. Surely you can't no, be, be serious. serious. Thank you for calling me Surely. That's right. Sounds like a butler. All right. Yeah, I'm back from this. <laughs> you what? Let Surely it, you can't be serious. Let it go, Dan. Let it go for God's sakes. And thank you so much for calling me Shirley. That's a terrible name. It's a ter- what about Gregita? <laughs> yes. That sounds like some sort of um, something you put in your porridge to make you go to the toilet more. Gregita, for loose stool. <laughs> I get called that a lot. You loose stool! Give me your gun in your bag. You're a loose stool. <laughs> you give this department the shits. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Ah! <laughs>